Welcome to the Bringing Her Hope podcast. I'm Bethany Bravery, and I'm thrilled that you are here. Each week, I invite a girlfriend on the podcast to share not only the story that God is writing for her, but the story that God is redeeming in her life. I cannot wait for you to meet each and every one of these amazing women who I know will inspire you to also live out the story that God is calling you to and to give you hope that He will be faithful to redeem your story as well. My guest this week is Dawn Barton. She's an author, a speaker, an entrepreneur, and a mentor. Dawn wholeheartedly believes that the obstacles in our lives should not beat us down, but give us reasons to fully embrace joy wherever we can find it. Today, we're going to unpack the topic of how Dawn has found joy in places you'd think it was unfindable. Despite the pain of losing a child, divorce, rape, stage three cancer, and so much more, this episode, friend, gives us a whole new perspective about finding joy outside of our circumstances. Dawn, thank you so much for coming on the show, girl. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Me too. So for those of the our listeners that don't know who you are, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, you know, I, when people say that, just tell them who you are. You want, I want to have this 10-second perfection yes. of gathering of words that does, ta-da! But I am, I am a woman at home with um, four dogs, three cats, two horses. My parents live next door. My mother-in-law lives in the house. But the part of me that sounds cool is that I'm an author and a speaker and a former million-dollar producer in the world of direct sales. And I left all of that to follow a God calling to write a book and uh, called Laughing Through the Ugly Cry and Finding Unstoppable Joy. So that, in, in just a few seconds, is who I am. Gosh, I love that. And um, for those of you that want to check out her book, you can do it at on Amazon, on all the places. We'll make sure and do show notes. But we are going to be kind of unpacking this topic of what it looks like to laugh through the ugly cry and then find, I love it, and almost search for unstoppable joy. So Dawn, what, what made you want to write this book and what journey have, has God taken you on through it? I will tell you nothing made me want to write this book because I know that I sound a little bit like a, oh, I should be put in a a padded room when I say (laughs) to some people that I really was woken up um, or halfway woken up in the middle of the night and had a dream and God said, you're going to write a book. And I said, oh, no, I'm not. (laughs) Oh, no, you're going to write a book. Um, And I said, I don't even journal and I'm not a reader at all. I don't think you, maybe it's next door you need to go because I am not your girl. And in fact, of course, um, I was his girl. And the reason that that I think um, he selected me and picked me uh, to write this book is because I have had, if you were to to kind of step back and look at the journey of my life, you would just say, oh, gosh, what did you ever do so wrong to have so much tragedy throughout your life? Mm. I have, um, I've lost a child to a rare bacteria of pneumonia. I have uh, been raped and the man was caught and it went to a full jury trial. I have had stage three triple negative breast cancer. My husband battled with um, alcohol addiction. He's five years sober now. My mother had a brain aneurysm that burst, and she actually made it through. My sister passed away from um, breast cancer as well, among other things in life. But because I have had this life, uh, this journey of just um, tsunamis of pain, through it I found the most beautiful relationship with God Mm -hmm. and to me, God is joy and joy is God. Mm, I love that. So, man, 
it's crazy. Uh, you mentioned losing a child, divorce, rape, stage three cancer, and so much more. Like each one of those would have been a podcast episode mm-hmm. on this podcast. So <laughs> I can't imagine that you've walked through all that you've walked through. How have you been able to fix your eyes on Jesus and not on your circumstances? Well, I think that's what um, one of the great things about the book is, is that I wasn't able to fix my eyes on Jesus for a, a lot of it, to be honest with you. And that's it is through these trials that I came to know him at a deep level. So in the, I was raised, I call it Catholic light. We My parents were um, in the oil business, and we moved from country to country. And we didn't attend church very much. So um, I was raised, like I said, Catholic light, but I didn't really have a relationship with the Lord, So, if you will. You know, I knew, believed in God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, because we said, name the thoughts of the Holy Spirit. But I didn't really have this, I didn't know you could have a, deep, intimate, beautiful Mm. love story with the Lord. And when the first thing happened, which was the loss of my child, I said, I don't want to love a God that takes babies from mommies. Mm. And at that point, I crossed my arms and, you know, turned my back to him and just said no. And yet, and then six months later, the next thing to happen in my life was a rape and a man broke in my house and in the bed with me was my um, three-year-old little girl. And yeah, it, it, it was one of these, these moments. He let me take her in her bedroom. Um, I was on my hands and knees. And during the whole process of this rape, my, my fingers were intertwined in one another. And I was praying the Lord's Prayer. And I heard so clearly, no doubt that it was God. God say, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. And, and I was okay from it. Not right, not six months later, not one month later. It took time, but, it took probably, honestly, 10 years for me to, uh, in, the, in the book I say, of a slow dating period, that I just tiptoed around faith and having a relationship with him. And some of that started with going to church reluctantly with a friend, and then it grew and it grew and it grew. And um, then I had started having a desire to seek him more and more until I just completely surrendered in my 30s and just said, I am all yours. And it was very different to go through the tragedies of cancer Mm. and thinking, you know, I was going to die with him holding my hand versus the tragedy of losing a child when I didn't. There's a whole bunch of gals that listen to this podcast, and I think they probably Mm. um, ask themselves the question all the time or or put themselves in the perspective of what you said earlier is, I'm not your girl. Like, you couldn't call Mm -hmm. me. You couldn't equip me. You couldn't use me. And what would you say to her today? Oh, I just had chills, actually, when you said that, because I just had a, a believe it or not, a moment flash through my head of this this season of partying. Um, I was lucky in that I'd never uh, used drugs as an escape, but I definitely was drinking a lot and partying a lot in my 20s. And I remember when um, I started seeking that relationship a little bit more, the biggest barrier was there are some amazing, perfect Christian girls who can quote Scripture right and left. That's who I know you want to love, Lord. There's no way you want to mm. love me. I am highly flawed, messed up, and there is. I have done so. Not only have I done so much wrong that you, you know, that others have seen, but you know my heart. And so, if you know the, in, you know the inside of me, you, I'm not worthy. There's no way you'll want me. And um, I believe that for a long time, and, and it actually chokes me up just thinking about it, how wrong I was mm. and how 
desperately he did want me, you know, just how much he has loved me. It just nothing I could ever in a million years be worthy of. Even if I could quote scripture right and left, it was just the sweetest, most perfect person all the time. Mm. I'll never be worthy for such a perfect love. Mm. It's interesting. I read a blog post by Christine Kane the other day, and she said she really feels like when God comes to us with direction, he doesn't ask if we're capable. He asks if we're willing. Mm -hmm. And that has just been like so strong in my heart. It's like, you didn't feel capable to write this book. You didn't feel um, any of the, you know, equipped or any of those things, but were you willing to say yes? So my, my curiosity is, um, did you say yes right away? Was there a wrestle with the Lord? What did that look like for you? No, I don't think I did say yes right away. I knew that God was calling me to write, write a book, and that next morning I woke up and I literally Googled, how do you write a book? <laughs> um, but but I did waver a lot. So that happened in, it was November 4th, actually. And I was still, I was the number seven producer in the nation for Mary Kay Cosmetics, and mm. I was a big fish in a little pond, and um, being the number seven sales director was just a, I loved it. Mm. I, my ego loved it, all of that kind of stuff. So to be calling me and saying, I have something more for you, mm. trust me, that was really hard to do. And I'm ashamed to say that now, but it was, it was mostly because I also didn't know anything about writing a book, the world of publishing, nothing, nothing. And um, it began with just somebody saying, just start doing a brain dump. It, uh, mm-hmm. I never had from him, I think sometimes, sometimes people think when you're following a God calling that there's going to be this perfectly laid out. I have <laughs> often said he needed to give me a spreadsheet. Yeah. If we could just have some, some markers of where things are going to happen, when I'm going to get a literary agent, when I'm going to get a publisher, when I'm going to get, tell me how this is going to go down. Mm-hmm. And that would really help things out. And he only unveiled to me the next step when I needed the next step. Mm. So it was very hard for, I'm sure nobody in your audience is this way, but I'm a little controlling. Oh, just a little, me too. uh, High five. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And and I'm strategic in thinking. So if you're on this faith journey, you know, that kind of goes out the window because he, I know that he called me to use my gifts and it was very funny to see how all of the things I had learned all of these years came into play Mm. for this one season of a book. But, just between us and everybody listening, I don't know that I still feel like an author. Mm. I don't feel like, yeah, um, I feel like I did what I was called to do and will continue to do it, but I still don't feel, I feel like it it was a little bit of a fluke. Like there's a part of me that thinks, that feels that way, that Mm. I'm not, haven't arrived or I don't know. Mm -hmm. Maybe everybody feels this way. And when you're searching for that, unstoppable joy. Um, what does that look like tangibly? Is it taking your thoughts captive? Is it replacing it with God's truth? What has it looked like for you? I know if I'm listening right now and I'm thinking, man, she's lost a child and she's walked through divorce. And how did she find out about stage three cancer and not just, you know, freak out and say, Lord, what are you doing? Um, what did that look like tangibly? And I get that it wasn't an instant and this isn't like a step-by-step plan, but I'd love to know um, how God kind of gave you those eyes to see what he was doing in the middle of it. Well, I I think I always want to acknowledge that there are some people that are innately born a little happier because there Mm. is a scientific, I am a happier human. Mm -hmm. Um, I have always chosen to look for a more positive 
uh, way, you know, in, in I, I don't sit well in sadness for a long time. And, and a lot of that is because I intentionally choose to not sit in sadness. I do for a little bit, and I have pity parties that nobody ever comes to. And then I make a decision for joy. Now, to me, in this season of my life, joy is God. God is joy. I, it took me a long time to get here. But they, um, when you ask about finding unstoppable joy, to me, that is this deep love with the Lord. And whenever I am off kilter or balancer, it's always a, a conversation with Him. Always, always. Um, but I think in the circumstances that we're talking about in our world where things have changed and, and um, there's as much as uh, I think we're scared, I think we're mm. sad, um, some people are depressed, you know, being alone, so there has to be, I would love to tell you that oh, that all that I ever have to do to feel happiness is I simply get in the Word. Now, do I get in the Word? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And do I always feel better after? Absolutely. But there are also times when I have felt so sad that I actually don't get in it. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Like yeah. you, you, don't, you don't go the place where you're supposed to go the most. Mm-hmm. And when I've had a couple of days of that, then just from enough experience in life, I have just learned, all right, pull it together. Go bathe your body, get out of this bed, and um, open some curtains. So sometimes it's the little moves to, to feel that joy. But for me, um, worship music is huge. Mm. Um, it's so big in my life just to listen to worship music at a, at a volume that is annoying to every single human around me. <laughs> I love it loud, mm-hmm. loud and blaring through my house. And... Um, but I have a lot of talks with God. I spend a lot of time talking with God. I don't, and that's not just a, a Corona thing. That's a, we walk and talk in my head and sometimes out loud. And um, it's a constant relationship with him. Mm. And a lot of times it's a, con, you know, it's a lot of arguments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so that's okay. He can handle it. In this season of COVID-19, and I feel like yeah. each and every one of us are kind of navigating the pivot button, like, Okay, expectations, throw them out the window. (laughs) How has that helped you in this season um, to be able to kind of navigate what this whole bunch of uncertainty looks like and being able to hit the pivot button when you need to? Well, I will tell you, as somebody who is a self-proclaimed joyologist and an author about finding laughter in pain, I felt when this first happened, I felt this um, pressure this like, oh my gosh, I'm mm. supposed to have all the answers because here you are, a person talking about joy. You're supposed to come out and tell the world how to, and that, then I got, um, I think I started feeling a little bit depressed. And then, um, honestly, it took me going back to, for me, what I did is I got into some podcasts. Don't laugh. I really started diving into some faith-based podcasts mm-hmm. from the leaders of our nation, you know, some of the big, big Christian leaders of our nation and listening. And then I start that really started filling my cup up. But did I see, I did feel what everybody, else, I don't care what your house is like. I don't care. I, we happen to live on 23 acres and um, are blessed to have this wonderful home. And in my home is my husband and my daughter. And then my mother-in-law is also in this house. And then we have a guest house and my mom and my dad live in the guest house. And then my aunt, who um, we just lost my uncle, he passed away during coronavirus, and she had to be in a parking lot mm. in a car while he had a massive heart attack. And, you know, she didn't get to be with him because those are some of the things that happen through all of this horribleness. But um, she was also here. So I, I have had this 
Um, I've had lots of people around me that I love dearly. I've had land to walk on. Mm. We have horses. We have all of these gifts. And I feel the same thing everybody else is feeling of this. I I felt fear. I felt sadness. I felt um, like I wanted to scream and never see the people around me again. And like, ah, Mm. let me out of here. So I think I'm going through the same thing everybody else is going through. And we all hit a point where we're like, enough, let's pivot. Today is a down day. What are the proactive things I can do that bring joy into my life? Mm. That is probably so much more than you ever wanted to know. No, (laughs) no, I love it. Um, Would you say that you've learned that choosing to search for this joy is an actual intentional choice every day. I know for me, it's like I get to choose to wake up whether I'm going to operate in fear or whether I'm going to operate in faith or whether I'm going to operate in, you know, out of joy, out of, you know, maybe it has nothing to do with, most of the time it doesn't, our current circumstances. It's more outside of, you know, who our relationship is with Jesus and who he says that we are. But for you, um, has that become a choice, an intentional choice of your daily habits? It was an intentional choice before this ever happened mm. um, for me. It just is, I work from home anyway, and uh, it is an intentional choice all the time for me. It's an intentional choice to open up my Bible. It's mm-hmm. a joyful choice. It's one I love, but it is a choice every single day mm-hmm. to, to do those things, whether those things be also being healthy, eating right foods, which, by the way, I tend to make the wrong choice on. <laughs> but... <laughs> But the the point is, it is an intentional choice, mm-hmm. and um, I am the first one to say that your joy and you know your your choice to chase after a, a growth in your faith journey, those are in your hands. Mm-hmm. And you may have circumstances, you may have people around you that whether we have coronavirus or not, yeah. uh, so, you know situations that you are unhappy about, you have the choice either to change your situation, or or you have the choice to stay in it and still choose and seek joy every single day, but defining what that is to, to, to seek to me. For, for me, that is, of course, my faith. Uh, but there are other things that are, I choose to do to keep and maintain a joyful spirit, spirit on a daily basis. And some of those are little. Some of those are like that it's important for me to go outside and just feel the sun on you know my face. Mm-hmm. It's important um, for me to have positive music. It's important for me to have a lot of light. I don't do well if things are, you know, curtains are closed and blinds are shut. I need light in my day. And um, so, so those are things that, that those are positive triggers that I took time years ago to make a list of. And I also have taken time to see what things make me feel not joyful mm. and make sure that if I am experiencing one of those, that I offset it with the positive things. Mm. You mentioned um, earlier that prior to being guided and directed to be able to write this book that you were successful and you were doing well and you Mm -hmm. were the big fish in this pond. Mm -hmm. And what did surrender look like? Surrender of maybe that dream or surrender of the timeline or surrender of the financial budget? What did that look like for you? And how did you navigate that with the Lord? Well, I will say it wasn't a surrender of one big, beautiful moment. I mm-hmm. have to tell you, it was a Hollywood moment, but it was a, it was a gradual surrender. But the final moment, because I, I believed, oh, I can write this book and I'll stay in Mary Kay. And I knew God was saying, nope, gotcha. you're going to go. Nope, yeah. No, either you, you are going to take this leap of faith. And um, I knew he wanted me to do it with my whole heart 
and I was not there. And then I went to a weekend in Dallas, and I had just sent a text message to kind of the woman above me, and I just and I told her I'm going to do both. I, I know that I'm going to do both. Okay, I'm I'm going to figure out a way to do both because I love both worlds. I love writing this book, and I love I love this so much. I'm going to do both. And I walked right, I just sent the text, and I walked through a doorway, and I hear somebody telling the story. And the story she told was, and the mom and the little girl were in a grocery store, and the little girl picked up a set of pearls. She loved them, little toy pearls. She wanted them and begged her mom, and her mom said, sure, you can work, you know, we'll get a couple of dollars. You can do some chores when we go home, and you can work for them. So she gets the pearls, and she wore them all the time. Like, they were getting nasty on her neck they, <laughs> all the time. The child never took the pearls off. And every night, her dad put her to bed, and um, he'd read her a story. And one night, he came in, and he said, do you love me? She said, well, yes, Daddy, I love you. And he said, will you give me your pearls? Mm. And she said, oh, no, Daddy, no, no. You can have my Susie doll, uh, but Daddy, no, not my pearl. And so the next night, he goes in to read her her story. He says, do you love me? Yes, will you give me your pearls? Oh, no, Daddy, Daddy, you can have my books. You can have all the other toys, but not my pearls, Daddy, no. I love my pearls, Daddy. And the third night, he walks in, and she's crying, and she has her pearls in her hand, and it's stretched out for him to take, and he hands her back real pearls. And I knew in that moment, God said, if you will let go, mm. I have something even better for you. And that, that was that moment in my life where I felt like he just said, I promise, you know, surrender this to me and I have got you. And some of the wonderful things that happened after that is that after I left, um, just a few months later, one of the next steps, if you're, if you're wanting to go a route for books where you're getting a, an agent, and, and I just heard story after story about it's so hard to get an agent and a publisher. And um, I sent my book proposal to a friend and I just said, is this right? And she forwarded it to one of the top literary agents in uh, New York. And within hours, I had a phone call of them trying to sign me. Oh so I goodness. never had to go do the chasing. Mm. God went before me on every single thing I did. And I felt like I literally imagined his hand was holding mine. Mm. And we were walking down the hall- hallway. And he said, hold on, I'll be right back. And he walked through a door. And that, you know, it's the agent for the, you know, talk, sits and he talks with the agent. He said, somebody's coming. You know, I imagined that in my mm. mind. And then the next step was a uh, publisher. And I knew that I was supposed to have Thomas Nelson Publishing from just the, the whisperings of God. And the next thing that we get, I told my agent that's who it's supposed to be. And she said, are you sure you don't want me to present this to a lot of people? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. And sure enough, then they signed me. And it's sort of, he went before me on every single Mm. step. And I'd also like to say he did it a lot slower than Don Barton would have liked. (laughs) (laughs) I would have liked it all so fast. But yeah, it's been a lesson in patience for sure. And surrendering every single step. Yeah. If you were to speak to the woman who's listening today who maybe they feel this stirring in their heart to write a book or speak on a stage or whatever it is, um, and they're just real unclear, it feels really muddy, what would you say if, if you had advice for their next step, what would that look like for you? Well, in, in regards to the world of, let's say, writing, and people ask me this all the time, what's the next step? And I just tell them literally write, start mm-hmm. getting it out, because I think we get so wrapped up on... Um, whatever the thing is, what are all of the 12 next steps? And, you know, how do I do this, 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 this? And it's literally what is the next one 
thing mm. and just do the next one thing. And the next thing I would say is I once heard somebody say, I never um, want to stand at the gates of heaven and God look at me with a sadness on his face and say, why? Mm. I gave you all of these gifts and you never used them. Mm. Why did you never use them? And I think sometimes I never want to imagine that God feels a sadness over the things that he's gifted me with that I choose to ignore Mm. because I chose to sit in a place of fear Mm -hmm. rather than ever trusting him. You know, that I was more scared of being uncomfortable Mm, than I was of his trust. Mm. And that's what I think, which which I think sometimes just comes down to our own ego. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Getting out of our own way. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. How sad that must make him that we're so, there's so many unopened boxes of gifts. So once you started getting words on these pages, what did the journey of writing look like? I've heard from a lot of different authors that, man, it's like it's your baby and there's parts of it that you love about it and parts that you hate about it and parts of it that you don't even know you're going to get through. What did you learn from writing the book? I learned a ton. I learned so much. And I we, they would be 12 podcasts to probably yes. all the things that I learned. But one of the things that um, was one of the greatest gifts was that right in the beginning, I had three people within a two-day period tell me to talk to a particular woman who lived in my town and that she was an editor. And, of course, full-on ego. I was like, I don't need an editor. God has called (laughs) me to write a book. He already told me my publisher. We're good. Yes, these are holy words. They are not going to need to be edited. (laughs) No, thank you. But I knew enough to listen to when um, I I try to be very conscious of when there's a repetition of things or when I feel it heavy, Mm -hmm. that that's God and God's talking to me. And and I knew that when her name came up in that short amount of time, three times like that, and then she herself reached out to me that, listen, and she edited the first, you know, I wrote my first chapter and she edited it. And I was like, well, this is just terrible. You know, her editing's awful. (laughs) And I read it to my husband. I'm like, so which version do you prefer? Not telling him who was who. And he picked hers, and I remember being devastated. Just, <laughs> how did you not know my boys? I'm your wife. Um, but it, I learned that my message was the raw core. You know, it's, it's my story. Mm-hmm. And these people that he brought into my life helped me to mold it and get it better and mm-hmm. better and better. And I, I learned that um, I didn't, there was no way I could have seen the finished product of the book in those early times because part of that was that I had to grow as a writer. Mm. So the the beginning chapters, the ones I wrote in the beginning, I ended up having to go back and rewrite a lot because I became so much, a much better writer by the end. Mm. So that girl, which it needed to happen that way, but I grew as a writer. So you're going to grow mm-hmm. in whatever it is, writing, speaking, um, any business you do, it's the skill level that, you know, the repetition of the skill that brings a confidence. So whatever it is, just know that you're going to probably stink in the beginning, Mm. and it's okay. And it's the people that are just willing to, you know, kind of suck over and over, which is kind of what it is. And then you get that confidence, and that's part of that is the lesson that he needs us to learn as well, Mm -hmm. those those seasons of uncomfortableness. Mm, I love that. Dawn, who would you say that you wrote this book for? If there's someone listening me. right now, you for you, yes. I wrote it to me. Yes, I wrote it to who I was mm. 15 years ago. I know her so well, mm. and I remember the first time 
I walked into, it's probably a little longer now, it's maybe 17, 18, but I remember I took a chance and I did my first life group. Mm-hmm. And these women, um, I knew I was in no way well-versed in the Bible. I had just, I knew nothing. I just grew, I just jumped into a social situation, honestly, is what I thought I was walking into. And um, I remember that when people were quoting scripture to me, I, and, and they were Christians that made me feel unworthy, that I never wanted to be that. So what I mean by that is there, um, there were, prior to that, people who were, I thought, was the ideal Christian, but yet when I was around them, I felt less than. Mm-hmm. So therefore, it scared me to go further into this journey of getting to know the Lord more, because I thought, oh, well, I'm completely unworthy, and you've just shown me that. And as I grew in this group of women, I you know, got to learn that, no, it's just straight-up love. It's good, amazing, beautiful love. And so I want somebody, I believe that on a faith journey, there's a beginning, you know, that we, we don't all, not everybody is raised in um, with knowing the Lord, and that sometimes some people know, but they don't have a relationship. And I want to talk to the people who don't know the Lord, mm. or maybe barely do, and just say, come on a little bit further. Like, trust me, just just take a couple more steps, and then I can pass them off to the Beth Moores of the world. You know, I feel like I'm at the beginning of somebody's journey, yeah. and Beth Moore's going to pick you up a little bit further down. And because there is a place for all of those people, you're not supposed mm-hmm. to begin the journey knowing everything. Mm-hmm. And it's the greatest, neatest journey where you're going to just have such a thirst for wanting more. Mm-hmm. And the great thing is God will put people in your path along the way to give you more as you want more. But I wrote it to the girl who is like, I don't know, you guys. I don't know. Let's see. I think some of y'all are crazy. And is this guy? Y'all, I don't know. I wrote it to that girl. The one who's just... Sure. Well, thank you so much for sharing a little bit about your book. Again, why don't you tell our listeners where they can grab Laughing Through the Ugly Cry and Finding Unstoppable Joy? Oh, I'm so happy to. You can find it pretty much wherever books are sold and in gift stores and all the big retailers, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, all the big retailers have it. And it's a gift book, a full-color, beautiful gift book, and you can also find it at DawnBarton.com, and you can find me on social media at R Barton on Facebook or Instagram. And thank you so much for having me. Oh, my pleasure. I'm so glad that this worked out. By the way, she's hilarious on Instagram. So follow her on all (laughs) social media platforms. But if you want some entertainment and some depth and some wisdom and all the things you want to follow this girl, uh, thank you, friend, for your transparency. Thank for your willingness to say yes to Jesus and start writing those words, even if you didn't feel called. Thank you for being willing. I appreciate that. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been such a pleasure. Absolutely. Oh, I'm so grateful, Don Barton, for the conversation that we had today. Um, man, just some takeaways. I loved her reminder that even when she felt like she wasn't God's girl, God's girl for the calling that he had on her life, that she still stepped into the story that he's calling her to. And she invited us to do the same as well. Um, She invited us to start looking, start searching for joy, even when circumstances don't seem that joyful around us. 
I am so excited to tell you also that Dawn wanted to do a book giveaway of her new book, Laughing Through the Ugly Cry and Finding Unstoppable Joy. So to enter to win her book, you can head to bringingherhope.com and also grab your copy, grab your copy at Amazon, grab your copy at Dawn and DawnBarton.com. I'll make sure and have all the links in the show notes. It's an incredible book. I've already read it. You're going to love it. I promise. Um, Man, how much fun did we have today? I I loved being able to chat with Dawn, and I can't wait for another story of God's redemption next time. So until then, lovelies, keep living brave stories for Jesus. <laughs>